Welcome back to the Missouri Chamber Capital Chat. This is your host, Philip Arnzen, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Heidi Geisbuehler-Sutherland and Kara Korches. Hey, Phil. Hey. And then we have a special guest today, Pat McFerrin with Cole Hargrave Snodgrass and Associates, and he is in charge of doing the annual CEO survey that the Chamber puts on. And just a little background on the survey, this is the fourth year that we've been doing it. And the idea of the survey is just to talk directly with our business leaders and CEOs and owners uh, to get an idea of you know, where they view Missouri competitively, economically, uh, what are some of the things that are helping them, hurting them. And then because of Pat's experience in multiple other states and doing the polling for the National Association of State Chambers, we can get a good comparison of where Missouri is relative to other states. Uh, so, Pat, I'll give you a minute to introduce yourself. Thanks, Philip. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, always happy to work with the Missouri Chamber uh, on different projects here. I want to just give you a little background on the survey here. As you mentioned, this is the fourth year that we've done this survey. Uh, this is a study of four hundred, more than 400 uh, business decision makers, owners, or, or CEOs, we make sure we have appropriate geographic representation. One of the places to kind of start is we ask a basic question. The very first question is, when you think about the direction of the state's business climate, do you think it's getting better, getting worse, or staying about the same? And we're in a, a little bit of a, a decline in optimism now, uh, with almost as many people saying that it's getting worse as getting better. This puts Missouri in about the middle of the pack on this type of question, what I'm seeing uh, over the last year, I, I have had some states that have emerged from the pandemic with a real optimism, and then some others that are, are a little more dour than what we're even seeing here. Do you think inflation plays a role in this, you know, given our current kind of economic climate of the overall optimism or pessimism? Yeah, there's no doubt that inflation is a, is a key, key component here. You ask people about what the, you know, the obstacles to their business growth and everything. We see inflation in double digits. That's something we haven't seen in, in, in decades uh, being a concern. And, and it's at double digits on that open-ended question. Uh, the uncertainty that, it, that inflation brings with it, clearly, clearly a, an issue. Um, and I'll tell you, from some voter surveys I've done in, in neighboring states and, and other places, it's a top, top concern of, of voters even more than it is the business leaders. Can you go a little deeper into the workforce issue? Like, what are those concerns that you've heard so far? Well, we mentioned here that we, we talked about inflation being in double digits as being the, the top concern. Uh, when we asked us, what's the biggest obstacle to the growth of your business? Inflation came in at 12%, but 50% came in with workforce issues. You define it just anybody to work or, or skilled labor in particular. Uh, just just the, the, the top concern in businesses right now is the workforce. One of those things that was brought up was the, was the soft skills. And uh, the, the, that was an issue and whether or not students were prepared whenever they left high school. Can you elaborate on that or have any you know, more in-depth analysis on that? When we asked the respondents, you know, is it soft skills you're looking for, technical skills, degrees, ability to pass a drug test? 62% say it's soft skills, just getting bodies who can show up on time and ready to perform the job. One place that I do see some improvement uh, in Missouri uh, we had had the ability to pass a drug test being a, a, a larger concern in the past. That's down to 4% now. Uh, but it's really actually strong in the Southwest and the Joplin Springfield area, where 27% of the employers there say finding people to pass a drug test is their top concern. That's interesting. So we've been doing a, a lot of work on analyzing Amendment 3, which was the constitutional ballot initiative that 
legalizes recreational marijuana usage. And um, we, we just actually hosted a webinar on this with some attorneys to walk through from a business perspective of well, how does this impact the workplace? And hearing that Southwest Missouri has specifically has some more concerns about this it also makes me wonder if there's some federal contractors down there because with this new law, you're still subject to federal regulations. If you're a Department of Defense contractor or a transportation uh, federal contractor, they would still be subject to those drug testing requirements. Um, but overall, I, I anticipate, Pat, that seeing the decline overall of the drug test question probably is a result of the the passage of this amendment this year. That certainly makes sense to me. Pat, are there, you know, any other areas on workforce that they brought up to that were a primary concern? Because, you know, as mentioned, workforce is a pretty broad topic. And, uh, you know, there's not a one single solution for the issue. So were there any other themes that uh, you got out of the survey on that front? A couple of things to point out. Uh, one of the questions we asked uh, along those lines was about graduating high school students if we thought they were well-prepared for the workforce. We're only at 31% that agree with that statement, that they are well-prepared. 66% said they're not, with 33% saying they strongly disagree with that sentiment. That is higher than I've seen in some other states. Uh, and so I, I think there is some real concerns uh, there uh, among the product coming out of high school. And then, you know, if you actually gave them go earlier uh, in development, you see childcare costs being a very big concern. Uh, 79% of those answering the survey said that they believe that the uh, expensive childcare costs are shrinking the available workforce. Uh, and this is as strong as any place I've seen it. And it, it doesn't matter where you are uh, in the state, Jeff City, St. Louis, Kansas City, still very, very strong numbers. But it's particularly a pinch, I think, in the health sector. Uh, among those in the health uh, industry, uh, category, 92% agree that affordable child care is a problem. Uh, but, you know, even in manufacturing, it tends to be more male-dominated. We see 74% with that concern. Wow, that's a lot. I mean, when you're talking about nearly 80% of businesses say this is affecting their availability to recruit and retain talent, that's pretty significant. And I think, you know, seeing your, your statement about the manufacturing sector that tends to be more male-dominated, a lot of people frame this issue as a women's issue. And we don't view this as, you know, just a women's issue. This is a workforce issue. Most households probably across the state are where both parents are working. And so we're seeing this impact every single industry, which I think just magnifies the scale of the, the problem in Missouri. No, I, I've done focus group work on some of this and some other places. And it's, you know, we are in a, a society in a world where, you know, whoever has the ability to take off work with the kids is who, who does it at that time. Another topic that we keep hearing about is public safety. And, you know, most folks think of, you know, with public safety, it's like, oh, well, it's an urban issue or it's suburban. No, it impacts the entire state. Um, but do you have anything, any of the results from the survey that deal with public safety? I think you hit on something that's really important there. At times we've seen economic issues and crime as two separate issues. And that's not the case anymore. Statewide, two-thirds of the, these business decision makers say that crime is impacting the state's economic competitiveness. And uh, that's a very high number. Uh, there are some regional differences. In St. Louis, it's really uh, striking. 87% say that crime is causing issues. But e even in, in the Southwest, which we talked about before, it's at 63. In Kansas City, it's 55%. That's a very high number, a very strong correlation between the two. 
And then if we ask, you know, what's your concern about public safety? Is it a top concern, a growing concern, diminishing or none? 24% of the respondents say it's one of the top concerns they have in the state. And 60% say it's growing. So you've got 84% saying that it's either a growing concern or a top concern. In St. Louis, 39% say it's a top concern. Uh, so it, it's clearly uh, become such an issue that it is um, affecting the economy, which you know affects uh, business owners' desires to invest, where they pick to invest, where they grow. You know, we we had people answer open-ended questions saying that the crime was the issues were hurting them in recruiting new employees, retaining employees, uh, and so when you we put that with the top issue of workforce, obviously crime is something that has to be addressed for the economy. And where does, I mean, where do these results compare to uh, the other states that you've done a similar surveys? You know, I don't have this question often in some states because they don't have even the the need to ask it the way they do in Missouri. So I don't know that I have a really good data set to compare it to, but the fact that you're even having to ask the question in in, in Missouri or Missouri, I'm still not sure how to say that. <laughs> um, it depends but, on where you are. Uh, that's what I've learned. So, and if it's Missouri or Missouri. Okay. Sorry. Uh, it shows me that it's such an, uh, an issue there, uh, but I haven't seen it. I have not seen it this high anywhere uh, in, in, in quite some time. Yeah. And I well, definitely take that strong percentage, Pat, that you found of really a mandate from the business community for us to take action on this. Right. And we, we actually tested some different areas to see if um, uh, these business leaders, decision makers, would want to uh, make investments in this area. And I'll tell you, in this day and age, I don't, I don't care what group it is, it, it, there are very few monolithic you know, people that can speak in, in one voice. But when it comes to addressing crime, the business community is pretty darn close. 94% favor increasing funding for law enforcement. 92% favor funding for policing hotspot programs. 91% favor increasing training in prison. 90% favor increasing funding for mental health. Uh, 87% support favor increasing prosecutorial consistency. These are just really, really incredibly strong numbers. Uh, and this, these questions were done in a way that's an investment. It's going to be, you know, spending government resources, and yet they're still that supportive of it because that's how important this crime issue is uh, to their ability to grow and, and continue to, to be prosperous. Yeah, that is, uh, those are some pretty, pretty strong numbers uh, from the business community. And this is an area that traditionally uh, the chamber has not been involved in and businesses have been somewhat hesitant to get involved in because public safety can, um, you know, at times be controversial, um, especially depending on what the kind of the public safety area is. You know, as you'd said, the fact that we're even asking this question uh, says a lot because most other states don't even, this isn't really on their radar. Uh, but in Missouri, public safety is you know, it is a top issue for the business community. And so, you know, we, we have to get involved and try to do um, something on that so we can make uh, those decision makers feel more confident in doing business in Missouri and on hiring employees uh, in Missouri or hiring people to move to Missouri. Yeah. And just to reiterate, just one little point here, uh, if I dig a little bit deeper into the data, there is definitely a correlation between your desire to do reforms and your concern about crime with what you think about the opinion of the state's economy, the direction of it. And so it tells me that that you want to create that optimism about the, um, you know, start the ball rolling, the optimism, the investment, the hiring new people, 
And crime is an obstacle to doing that right now because the group of business leaders that are the most dour about the direction of the state are the ones most concerned about crime. Yeah. And so are there were there any other kind of topics that that stood out? You know, we, we don't have time to cover every single question and, and result. Uh, but were there anything else that, that stood out to you that you think is worth that uh, worth noting from the poll? Yeah, you know, I'll point out a, a couple that were, were I thought unique. And, and really, when I think about what I'm seeing in other states, we had 84 percent of the folks um, say that they favored investing to increase capacity on I-70. I expected that to be fine with those along I-70, uh, even those, you know, far away, uh, again, that southwest area, even the southeast, north of 80 percent supported that investment. Uh, and so I think that's something that sets it apart. So many times our road issues seem to be regional within states. Uh, but This is one that the entire state can get behind. The other one that's a little bit different, I know you guys have a unique uh, incentive program for uh, select uh, manufacturers overseas, I think microchips, pharmaceuticals, health issues, uh, to make sure that we have those vital supply chains available uh, and provide incentives for those groups. The business community, large, small, throughout the state, very supportive, 89% uh, supporting bringing those, uh, those incentives. And this is different than I see in other states. When I look at business incentives uh, in a lot of states, I, I'm lots of times around the 50% mark because you have a lot of existing businesses that say, hey, I, why are they recruiting other people when I'm already here? But when it comes to this niche incentive that you guys have here, it's very supportive among the business community. That's great to hear. And some of that budget funding was, was first established last year in the budget, specifically to onshore industries vital to national security, like computer chips and active pharmaceutical ingredients. I think more than ever, people are realizing the huge impact the chip shortage has on our economy, whether it's in a chip in your car or your, your Amazon Alexa. Our modern economy requires those to power it. And then on the pharmaceutical ingredients side, also with COVID, you know, looking at the, the new number of drugs that were needed for therapeutics or even basic things like Tylenol. If India or China cut off our supply chain, what are we going to do as a nation? So it is a security risk. So I think that's really heartening, Pat, to see our business community understand that forward thinking to onshore those industries. Another place I'd say that you're forward thinking, it relates more to the the, the chip processing there, is uh, you do have a big awareness in, in the state among the business community about the concerns about cybersecurity threats. 80% see it as a top or a growing concern. Uh, and so that maybe that dovetails into why they're so supportive of these incentive packages, uh, because they, they want to make sure that those are being produced here and, and that uh, we have the ability, the technology to develop the expertise uh, to uh, uh, control our own destinies in those areas. Yeah, that's great. Have you seen anything related to cybersecurity in some of the other states that you pull? I've just started to look at it some because you, this is the second year that the Missouri Chamber has looked at it. So I've actually been able to bring this up to a few other places. Uh, but again, this is a place, again, where I think the Missouri Chamber has taken the lead. Yeah, that's interesting. It almost ties directly into public safety as well. It does. The, it does. the foreign threats that come through our online systems. And just for our listeners, we work with Pat McFerrin and his team on a variety of different polling resources for the chamber. He does some of our political polling through our Missouri Chamber Political Institute, as well as this annual CEO survey. And this CEO survey always directly ties into our legislative agenda every year. 
We want to root all of the policies that we are working on in data and what the business community needs to be to be prosperous and to create jobs across the state. So we really appreciate, Pat, all of your time, all of your research, and this really great data that I think can be applied in a lot of ways across the state for any legislators or members listening to. If you want some of the, the results of the CEO survey, please feel free to reach out to our governmental affairs team so that we can share these with you if you're interested. Thanks, Kara. Pat, appreciate you joining the Missouri Chamber Capital Chat and providing uh, some insight for the Chamber. Well, I always appreciate the partnership with the Missouri Chamber, and, and thank you guys for letting me be a part of this. And uh, I do appreciate you guys looking at newer issues that that aren't normally the uh, traditional realm of Chambers of Commerce because they are all, all interconnected. Thank you, guys. Yeah, we'd like to thank Pat for joining the Capital Chat. And there's also the last two weeks have been uh, quite a bit has happened in Jefferson City. The legislature reconvened on January 4th. And then the chamber also hosted their Capital Insight on January 3rd, the day before. Um, this is something that we've been doing for a few years now. And it really is just a good way to get an idea of what the priorities are. Uh, from the business community for the upcoming session, and then also what the priorities are from the legislature and um, a lot of the government affairs folks that that work uh, in our businesses around the state. And one of the you know themes we saw on Capital Insight was a lot of discussion about infrastructure, uh, workforce development, uh, which includes childcare, and then some focus on education, but mostly in the workforce development realm. Um, hi to your Kara. I mean, do you have any insight from Capital Insight you'd like to add? Yeah, Philip, I have some Capital Insight for the group. We had this event this year and we have it every year. And I know next year, mark your calendars already. It's always going to be Tuesday before session starts in Jefferson City. And at this event, we had about 150 attendees of business leaders, of lobbyists, and actually quite a few legislators, which was great. We also really enjoyed the company and getting to meet some new freshman legislators that came to learn about the business community priorities, as well as the leadership direction uh, for the session. You know, throughout the day, I, I took away a few key things that kept being brought up by our speakers, one of which was I-70 expansion that came up again and again with a lot of support for that. And that was really from speakers from both sides of the aisle. We had a segment on budget with leaders, bipartisan leaders you know, from the budget and appropriations committees. And then we also had our bipartisan leadership panel. And I know I-70 expansion came up multiple times. Also childcare came up multiple times as well. And that tied directly into it being a workforce issue. That if we know that businesses are hurting for workers, and that if we want to make the most use of every Missourian available that can work, we need to make sure we're addressing this huge childcare crisis in the state. And that was something that, again, you heard from both sides of the aisle. So I think, you know, we're optimistic on the, the outlook of those types of issues when we're seeing support from different sides of the aisle that may not always be natural allies, but seem to be allies on these types of issues. It was really great to hear that their priorities really do align with the chambers. You know, part of it, whenever we heard them talk about those issues at Capital Insight, we just chalked it up to them knowing their audience very well. But hearing them reiterate all of those priorities during their opening day speeches was really, really encouraging for the legislative session ahead. Also at Capital Insight, we were very excited to give out our first legislative staff leadership award. And we gave that to Pat Thomas, who is currently 
the chief of staff for Senator Lincoln Huff. Pat has also been the chief of staff for Senator Brian Munzlinger. She's been very involved in the Capitol for years and years and years, very experienced, and she has helped the chamber shepherd a lot of business-friendly bills through the process in her respective offices over the past several years. So we have really enjoyed getting to work with Pat. She is a wealth of information and very, very deserving of the first ever award from us for legislative staff. Absolutely. You know, Pat is is an absolute champion herself, and no one is going to be more knowledgeable in the process and on policies than Pat. And so we're really happy that she is our first awardee. This will be an annual thing going forward. And we've already been um, been uh, pinged or requested of some other staff to be nominated for next year's award. So we think it's really important to highlight the great work that legislative staff does because we know, you know, bills would not get passed without them. They are what who makes the legislature and the General Assembly run. And so we think it's really important to recognize the great work that legislative staff do every year. Yeah, it was it was really good. And, you know, I've worked with Pat for a number of years now as well. And, you know, I was excited to see Pat get the award. And uh, I can't think of anybody more deserving than than Pat. You know, the other thing that um, I've always enjoyed, I've been Capital Inside a few times, and my favorite sections have always been when it's just candid conversation with legislators. Maybe it's just one-on-one um, where they're just kind of, you know, talking about their priorities or kind of talking about, you know, their thought process on issues. And then also enjoy whenever there's a legislative panel, um, especially when it's a bipartisan panel, whenever you can really hear them, you know, maybe not argue, but have some disagreements. And, you know, contrary to what you see on the headlines or, or here in the news, for the most part, you know, in that kind of setting, they, they get along and yeah, there's disagreements, but most of the time they, you know, they can try to work it out or, or come to a common ground on many issues. And so that's really good to see and really good to be able to get like hear from our legislative leadership and uh, other legislators. There was definitely some fiery debate, which always makes it entertaining as well. But really candid conversations. You know, another another thing I forgot to mention that came up again and again, unprompted by us was public safety. It seems like there is some real momentum on this in the legislature that everyone recognizes we do need to do something about public safety. We need to do something about our crime rates if we're going to continue to hopefully expand with business growth, with job creation, with just keeping our residents safe and keeping families safe. We need to do something about crime in the state. Yeah, it was good to hear uh, the the first day of session, the President pro tem of the Senate, who's who leads the Senate, and then the Speaker of the House, who also leads the House, they always give uh, a speech to go over what their priorities are and kind of get folks excited for the session. And most of the chamber's top priorities were brought up at one point or another in their speech, which uh, was was really good to hear, um, especially workforce development, infrastructure, child care, public safety. Those are all brought up in the House and Senate leaders' speeches, which which is good. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that everything will get done, but you know that they're making it a priority really does help. You know, can help it get across the finish line. Philip, we're going to start at the glass half full. You're the you're the um, you know eternal optimist in this group. We are going to get all of this done this year. We're going to try, and we're going to try to get all of it done. And and there will be roadblocks, but we're going to keep pushing forward. Um, And on that, too, the other note that I noticed throughout the speeches 
is the effort for more respect for one another, for more collegiality. You know, everyone, again, we've talked about the word dysfunction again and again and again and again for the 2022 legislative session. And so I could tell from both House and Senate leadership within their speeches, there was special emphasis on working together, being more functional and doing great work for the people of Missouri. Normally, the first couple of weeks are fairly slow until uh, they make committee assignments, which the the House and Senate have announced their committee chairs. And, you know, usually they make some changes of getting rid of some committees and adding some new ones. You know, they did that this year as well. So it's good to see that we know who we're going to be working with on the committee side of things. And we're excited to start working with those committee chairmen and those committee members to uh, get chamber priorities passed. Another thing to note is the they usually uh, don't pick up too much until the governor's state of the state, and that's when the governor announces his budget. Then the House and Senate budget leaders will sit down and kind of figure out what their priorities are. And then usually committee hearings for all the committees really start to pick up after that. And so then we hit the ground running, and that's when we really kind of roll our sleeves up and get the chamber priorities moving. Yeah, so we've seen in the committee assignments, there were some surprises and some that we sort of saw coming. So for instance, the chair of the Senate Appropriations Committee, which is one of the very powerful committees in the Senate, is going to be Senator Lincoln Huff from the Springfield area. So we were excited to see that. We've worked well with him in the past. So I think that that will be a really, really good chairman to work with this year, especially as we seek more funding for childcare incentives, especially. In the House, we've got Representative Cody Smith taking up the mantle again for, I think, his third time as the chairman for the House Budget Committee. So he's been a very solid chairman so far, and we're excited to see him back in that position. And we also saw Representative Alex Riley is going to be heading up the General Laws Committee in the House. I think in both the House and the Senate, the General Laws Committee can be very powerful because they're just sort of a catch-all for a lot of different legislation. So we'll see Representative Alex Riley in the House, and then we'll see Senator Mike Bernsketter in the Senate taking that role for the Senate General Laws Committee. Yeah, we're looking forward to, to working with, you know, all the respective committee chairs, and uh, we're excited to, you know, get to work with those that we've worked with previously, and then those that, uh, you know, we haven't necessarily worked with much before. We're excited to get to know them and, and get to learn what their issues are, and hopefully, uh, you know, help promote what the Chamber's issues are. And uh, starting next week, committees kick off, and uh, after that, it'll be a sprint until the end of session in May. And is there anything else that uh, Heidi or Kara that you'd like to to mention for the Chamber Capital Chat? Great job, Philip, taking over the reins as the Capital Chat podcast host. You are are doing great with this, and I'm sure our listeners are enjoying you being our face of this, or sorry, voice, I should say, of, of the podcast, and just look forward to hopefully having... Good and positive updates throughout session for our listeners. Yeah, as I said on the first podcast, that everybody at the chamber uh, voted and said I had the best face for a podcast. So um, I'm excited to, to be the host and looking forward to continuing to host. And with that, I hope everybody has a good, good week and a good legislative session. Thanks for joining the Missouri Capital Chat.